0: Luke chapter 18 today. Luke chapter 18. A little bit about myself, if you don't know who I am. I actually just met one of you today officially, and um, I realized that maybe not everyone knows who I am. Uh, I am Marcus. I uh, grew up in Massachusetts. It is a cold, wintry, awful, desolate place to live, Um, and so I left. No. I, I love Massachusetts. Um, I came out here for college. I finished down at West Coast Baptist College, and I'm a graduate from there. Um, and I traveled my summers working with Neighborhood Bible Time as a children's evangelist. So if I make any jokes that you would say, that would be funny to a eight-year-old, it's because that's primarily who I work with. Um, so I'm out here. I'm up in San Jose, and I'm just so glad to have found a church that... Uh, I can be a faithful member, too, and uh, today I have the opportunity to uh, share with you something from God's Word. So, uh, as you guys know, there are two very important events coming up in the next couple of days. Very, very important. Some might say the most important events of the years. The first would be the Super Bowl, which is happening in a few hours, so we are going for a record shortest service time today to get you guys at. No, I'm just kidding. Of course not, but um, that being an important day, but tomorrow... Is also an important day. And a lot of the guys are looking at me saying, what is he talking about? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. And that is a very important, uh, year to, mo- or day of the year to most people. Um, especially to companies like Hallmark and flower companies that, uh, often share during this time. But it's a holiday that is supposed to represent something. And that is love. Valentine's Day is to represent love. I just saw like five guys take out their phone because they just remembered tomorrow's Valentine's Day. They're making plans right now. Uh, in school, as a kid, I remember that our teachers would set up Valentine's Day and we would go out to the stores and we would go and we'd have to buy Valentine, and we'd have to buy a Valentine for everybody in the class because you couldn't let anybody feel left out. And it was absolutely the worst because I had to sign everybody's name. I had to write had a little note for everybody, but we had to make sure that everyone felt loved. My parents would always, as I was growing up, they would always make sure that they would give me something to show that love to me from Valentine's Day, and they wanted to show that they cared. This year my mom sent out a package to me, and uh, it came with some mail from out in Massachusetts, but she sent these little candies in this heart, and it made me feel loved. Valentine's Day is an important holiday to make that special person or the people in your lives feel loved. On TV and social media, it's often portrayed as an event or a day that men typically forget, A man forgets to show love to his wife, he forgets to plan something special, or forgets to write a note, or buy flowers, and he just completely forgets the day. Oftentimes, as people, as humans, I think it is safe to say that we fail to show our love to others, to those closest to us, to those that we are the most comfortable with. We don't often, or all the time, show our love to our siblings, or if you're a teen, or Maybe you don't show love to your parents like you should, or to your children, or to those around you. We are humans, and we fail. We can sometimes take them for granted. Now, if one has ever entered into—and I'm going somewhere with this, guys. Uh, we talk about um, sometimes couples who are working on their relationship, they go into couples therapy. Or maybe you're reading a self-help book about how to better your relationship with somebody else. And we would think that one of the first things that always comes up in these books is communication. And communication is key in every relationship. That's what I've heard about a thousand times from everything I've read. It's communication, communication, communication. Communication is great, but there's a problem is that we often communicate with the people who are important in our lives. We communicate with them by telling them something in the way that we would want to hear it or receive it. So oftentimes, men are very straightforward, straight to the fact, very logical, whereas a woman might share something more from an emotional standpoint. Now, that's not how it is all of the time, but oftentimes, we disconnect by not talking to each other the way that we should see the other person as, or the way that the other person might receive it better, and that's a skill that has to be worked on in something that is developed. Now, why am I bringing all of this up? Why are we talking about communication and love and and how it all ties together? Because in the relationships closest to us, the people we love the the most, one of the most important things is communication. It's one of the biggest things that we fail at. But what about God, our Creator, the one who loves us the most, the one who gives us the breath that we have, the one who allows us to wake up each and every morning, the one who's given us all the opportunities that we have in life Uh, What about Christ, who showed his love for you and me through his death, through his burial and his resurrection on the cross? What about God, our creator? He's one that we should be closest to, the closest to. That should be our strongest relationship. And just like all of our other relationships, the area that we most often fail in is communication. God communicates with us in a perfect way let me tell you, God can speak to you. You can have that communication with God every day. He has perfectly spoken to us through his word. Have you opened his word this week? Have you let God speak to you? Now, that's one way that the communication is brought through, is God talking to us through his Bible, through his word. But then it goes the other way. We have to speak to God, don't we? And the way that we speak to God that is probably, I would say, the most neglected portion of our Christian walk is our prayer life. So in one area we have God speaking to us, and the other area would be us communicating back. Now, we already have the greatest love letter ever written from God, the Bible, although it's much, so much more, and we can't compete in that way. But there's a way that God wants us to speak to him. And that is a certain way through prayer. And there's ways that we come to God in prayer to speak to him that oftentimes that's not how God wants us to speak to him. That's not the way that he wants to be spoken to. Sometimes you'll get into an argument with somebody and say, I don't like the way that you spoke to me. I don't like the way that you're talking to me. I don't like the way you're communicating with me. Or you're not communicating enough. So how must God, our creator, the one who loves us more than any other, who died for us, was buried and rose again for you, how important must that communication be? So we're going to talk a little bit about communication in the Bible, and that's the emphasis today, how are we coming before God in prayer? Prayer, although one of the most important parts of our Christian walk, is sometimes one of the most neglected parts. We know to pray. We know we ought to pray, but we don't always pray. We need to communicate with God His way, We need to humble ourselves in prayer and be real with God. There's power in prayer. So, in Luke chapter 18, if you'll look together in verse 9, it says this. And he spake this parable, this is Christ, unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray together for the message. Father, we come before you today to worship you, to learn more from your word. I just pray that you would get me out of the way, that you would speak, and uh, Lord, that your word would ring true today, and that uh, we would just open our hearts to what you have for us. We thank you for being such a good God. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we talk about prayer. Elijah prayed, right? It didn't rain for three years and six months. He prays again, and the rain falls. And that's, you can see that in James uh, 5, 17 and 18. And it just talks about how powerful his prayers were. Elijah, he prayed to God and called down fire from heaven. Elisha prayed and a dead child came back to life in the Old Testament. Samson, after having his head shaven, being blinded, put between two pillars to be mocked, prayed to God for strength one more time and his prayer was granted. And in his death, he killed more and slew more Philistines than he had during the rest of his life. God answers prayer. God loves when we communicate with him. Paul and Silas prayed when they were in the jail, and it was shaken to its core, and it led to the jailer getting saved. Our great example, Jesus Christ, was almost always in a state of prayer. Well, he was always in a state of prayer. The Bible records him praying at his baptism in Luke 3, praying all night before choosing his 12 disciples in Luke 6, praying before feeding the 5,000 in John 6, before walking on water in Matthew 14, before feeding the 4,000 in Matthew 15, praying for the little children, praying before teaching his disciples how to pray, praying before Lazarus being risen from the dead, prayed at the Lord's Supper. He prayed for Peter when Satan wanted to sift him as wheat. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was betrayed, before he was put on the cross. Even when he was nailed to the cross, he was still praying for others. Now, if... The Son of God, who is God, took the time in his life to pray and talk to his Father. How important is it for us sinners in need of a Savior with sinful hearts, how important is it for us to pray? Throughout scriptures, we see importance and emphasis on prayer. Throughout the scriptures, God answers prayer. And the wonderful thing about that is that he's the same God we serve today. He's the same God that wants to answer our prayers and wants us to have a God-dependent life. We know as Christians prayer is important. We know that we ought to do it. We know that we ought to spend more time in prayer than we do. But prayer always is the first thing that seems to get taken away when our schedule gets busy. Prayer is something that seems like it would be easy. It's something that we say is easy. But if prayer were easy, everyone would do it. It's amazing how easy it is to forget the importance of communicating with our God to show him that love. So, I just want to go through, in Luke chapter 18, as we just read about the Pharisee and the publican who went up to the temple to pray, we're going to be talking a little bit about what we can glean in our prayer lives in terms of communication. So the first thing that I want to look at today, or the first point I would say that we're going to focus on, is the people. Who was there? Well, it's pretty easy. We're going to start off with the first one, the Pharisee. If we look back at verse 10, it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other, a Republican. Now, what is a Pharisee? A Pharisee was a religious ruler during that time. They were often letters of the law. And he was uh, righteous in his own eyes, this man. He was seen praying with himself. He lifted himself up above those who were around him. He distinguished himself as different from the sinners around him, self-righteously gloating. This man sounds kind of like how I can be when I'm not living in the Spirit. A lot of times, I feel as though we can look down on others who aren't Christians or those who don't live the same way as us. Because we say, oh, well, I'm in church and I do this and I do that. But have we really looked at our hearts? Now, whenever I go to a work interview, I mean... I'm only 24, so it's not like I've been to a 1,000 of them. But I go to a work interview, there's a couple of things that you know I make sure. I make sure my resume is in order. I make sure that I look as good as I possibly can. I get in front of the mirror. I do my hair. I shave. I iron out my shirt. I make sure that my tie is straight. I do this. I do that. I do everything that I can to make sure that I look as good as I possibly can. I want whoever I'm going to, I want to dress to impress, as they say. I want to show other people how good I can look shine your shoes, everything in between. But what if every morning when we went to get ready for work or we went to go out, we looked in front of the mirror and instead of our outward appearance that we focused on, we saw what was on the inside. What if the pride and the sin and the anger and the thoughts that we have in our thought life and our arrogance, our sin, our shame, what if that, is what was shown to you in a mirror. What if that is what everyone else would see? I'd call out sick pretty much every day. Now, the application of this is that the Pharisee, he had it all together on the outside. He was a religious leader. And don't let religious leaders fail you. We're all human. Pastor's a human. Miss Cammie's a human. Everyone up here who was singing earlier is a human. We all have the same sinful hearts. We're man. But he was blinded by his own outward appearance. He wasn't looking at how ugly he was on the inside. There's a song that we used to sing in college, and it went something that said, Friend, how would you feel if your heart were made With a window on each side So that all could see Not just outward charm, but could sense if inward harm. And now you know why they didn't ask me to sing up here with them this morning. But it's a song that makes a great point. What if everybody could see your insides and what is in your heart today? Have you taken the time to look at your insides today? When you stepped in front of the mirror today, did you just look at your outward appearance and how you would come to church and you're just going through the motions? Or did you look and say, God, help me today? I need your help today. I need you to help clean up my insides and my appearance. Oftentimes we don't. Let's make sure that we never become so great in our minds that we separate ourselves from the sinner that we are. In 1 Timothy, it says, in 1.15, it says, This is a faithful saying, and this is Paul speaking, one of the greatest Christians to ever live. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul, one of the greatest missionaries, ever, I'll say probably the greatest missionary to ever live. He's up there, he's writing and he's saying, I'm, I'm chief of the sinners. I'm the head of the sinners. What if we came before God with that sort of attitude? Now first we see the Pharisee and we're seeing the problem. It's our outward appearance. But then we see the publican. This was a man who the Pharisee didn't like very much. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, the publicans uh, were Jews, so the Pharisees were Jews, too, right? And so we have these Jews, these Israelites, that are now working for the Roman government. So, in a sense, they've abandoned their own people to work for the Roman government, and what do they do? They collect taxes. So, the Israelites who are being oppressed by these Romans, a lot of them, the Jews, they come to this side and they say, well, I can just work for the Romans. And so what do they do? They... Are seen to abandon their own people, and they go and they become a tax collector of their own people for the Romans. So it's kind of like they're going and they're, they're working for the enemy. They're working for somebody that they don't want in control over them, and they're taking your money. Now, I hate paying taxes enough, but if it's, you know, some other government or some American working for somebody else that is telling me to do it, I'd be pretty, pretty angry too. They were traitors to the Israelites. And the Pharisee saw that. That's why he points out. In uh, in his his prayer, he's talking about, man, thank you that I'm not like this publican. He's angry. He doesn't like the guy. He probably wouldn't either. But this was a tax collector that worked for the Romans. And this publican was so ashamed when he came to the temple and when he got before God that he couldn't even look up to the heavens. His head was bowed. His manner was down. He smote his breath. He knew that he was unworthy to stand before a holy God. How casually do we try to speak to God today? How high do you hold God's infinite power, wisdom, love, mercy, and grace? The publican could see himself for who he was. He wasn't blinded by his position or who he was. He recognized the real him he realized that he had a heart problem, a sin problem. We need to get real with ourselves, and that's the first step in communicating with God that we're looking at today. We need to realize that we have to be real with ourselves about who we are before God before we can get real with God in our prayer life. I'd love to tell myself that I'm the publican, that I'm always real and always understanding of the sin in my life, but so often I fail and often fail to realize that not only am I not the publican, but I act like a Pharisee sometimes. And I act like I have it all together. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves today, we do that a lot too. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, especially in our prayer life. Where do we stand with God? Are we in the right? Are we in his will? Are we in the wrong? Are our hearts full of, sin and pr- are our hearts full of pride and sin? Are we even looking today? So first, from this we've seen the people. And we realize that we need to humble ourselves for prayer. Secondly, we're looking at their petition. What they are asking God. The prayer of the Pharisee and the publican couldn't be more different in this passage. The Pharisee spends his whole prayer thanking God that he's not like the rest of the sinners. If you look over in verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice how it says that he prayed with himself. God. I thank thee that I am not as the other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I, and that word fast, it means I, you know, I go without eating twice in the week. And usually that's so you can get alone with God, but Pharisees would often do it just to do it. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's saying, look at how much money I give. His prayer wasn't real. There was no petition. He came before God to tell God how great he was doing and how great he was. And a lot of times we spend our prayer life and we throw in a whole, a whole lot of gibberish. He doesn't ask God for a single thing here. Uh, I, I heard a story one time about this uh, man. He had a really nice car. I don't, I don't remember the name of the car. Um, but he was outside of this auto shop. And everyone would keep coming up as they were going past the intersection. They're like, wow, look at how nice that car is. And the guy started to get excited. He said, oh, yeah, come check it out, come check it out. He'd come let people sit in his in his car. And soon a crowd was coming by. Everyone wanted to take pictures with this car. Super nice, luxury. It was great. And then an employee inside of the auto shop, he comes up to his boss and he says, what is that guy doing outside? He says, uh, his transmission blew out and he forgot that he needs me for help. Sometimes we get so high-minded in ourselves, sometimes we get so full of ourselves that we forget that we need God. We need something from God. So how is this different than the prayer of the publican? Well, there's a couple things that I want you to look at from the prayer of the publican. Three things. It was short, it was direct, and it was honest. The prayer of the publican is only seven words long. But how powerful it is. It's in verse 13. And the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The publican lowered himself and begged God for mercy. There's a lot of conviction in this verse. When have we gotten before God and just begged him for his mercy? When have we needed something so badly before God that we have begged him for it? This man's prayer was motivated by the realization that he needed mercy from God. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He needed to get before God. When was the last time you needed to get before God? I think about how sometimes we pray in a group with other people, and I'm sure you've seen this before. We get in this big group, and then we're just like, oh, well, so-and-so lead us in prayer? Will so-and-so lead us in prayer? And then you know you put your hands in front of you, and you bow your head, and you close your eyes, and... This person starts praying, and then by the end of it, you're you're wondering, I don't even know what this guy's praying for. It's been like 15 minutes, and he hasn't stopped. There's a lot of times that when we're in a group setting or with other people, we care what people think of our prayer life looks like. And so we'll make this big, giant show out of our prayer life, and we want everyone else to see how good and how quality our prayers can be. But that's not the way that the publican is doing it here. He's being short, direct, honest. Somebody once said that, You know, if you pray much in public, you usually pray little in private. Or if you pray a lot in private, you usually pray pretty shortly in public. I think of uh, Thanksgiving dinners especially. And how, you know, as a kid, they would always ask adults to pray. And it was the one year where people would come and they want to impress each other. So it would be this big, giant, huge prayer of thankfulness. And then after a while, the adults would stop asking the adults to pray. They'd start asking kids because kids would be like, Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it. Amen. Kids oftentimes are a lot better at being direct and short and honest. Come to God with what you need him to hear in your petitions. Don't go to God with all this and stuff. He already knows your heart. He already knows everything. He knows who you are and what you're about. He knows what you're coming to him for and what you need. So why aren't we just getting to the point? Why aren't we getting real with God? Why don't we spend the time being real and to the point? I think it would be better to spend five minutes of real prayer with God than an hour reciting a bunch of nonsense, right? Come to God with what we need. Why don't we seek to have the same honesty with God when we pray, when we come to him, as the same way that we want other people to come to us honestly? I hate when people come to me and they start, they want to ask you something. Do you ever, you ever get that? Where somebody comes and they want to ask you a question, and they want to ask you a favor, but first they feel like they have to start with like a three-minute conversation about how your life's going, and they want to talk about this and that, and you know it's, you know they're asking you for something. In my head, I just want to be like, please just get to the point. What do you need? You need me to be there? You need me to pick him up? Yeah, done. But people just want to talk and do this and that. Get to the point. So, what do our prayers look like today? Do we look like the Pharisee? Are we glorifying and honoring ourselves, hiding behind a set of prayers that aren't really to God? Or are we like the publican today, honest, real, not all fucked up? You're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time if you're not getting real in your prayer life. So first, from this passage, we see the people. Second, we see their petitions. And thirdly and finally, we see the purpose of their prayers. And this one's going to be a little bit of a shorter point. But Christ tells us in this parable that they went up to the temple to pray. They're going up to travel to the temple to pray. Why would they be going to this temple? Well, if we're looking at the Pharisee, it was a public place where many gathered. The temple is a place where everyone would come. Now, I mean, we have a group here, a crowd here, but the temples in Israel especially, everyone would head over to this temple to pray. This is a place where a lot of people met up. It's a huge crossroads of everyone coming by, everyone swinging by. So what does the Pharisee do? He goes, he puts himself in the highest position, and he starts talking about how great he is. He tells everyone how great he is. It's like he's not even praying to God. What is your purpose in coming to God? He wanted everyone to see his self-righteousness. He prayed thus with himself, away from others, to get alone from the people so that they would see him separately. The publican went because the temple was a place for prayer for all. Perhaps he had gone at some point to collect some money from the temple. Perhaps he came only with this petition, ready to confront his own sin and beg for mercy before God. The Pharisee, he came for popularity, and the publican came with a petition. The Pharisee came and put himself above all. The publican put himself below all. The Pharisee wanted others to hear his prayer. The publican wanted God to hear his prayer. The Pharisee separated himself from the sinners. The publican counted himself among the sinners. The Pharisee boasted of righteousness. And the publican begged for mercy because of his unrighteousness. The publican's purpose was to get right with God, to obtain that mercy. Communication with God is so important. Reading our Bible, we say, is important. We have to read it every day. But then we don't really want to get into our Bibles. We're half listening to the conversation that God's trying to have with us. I do that at work all the time. 7 in the morning, I go in and I have to relieve this guy who was was working the grave shift. And I haven't had any coffee yet. And I'm sorry, but I space out through half the conversation. And and you start doing this, uh uh-huh. Yeah? I'm trying to check my emails. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah? Okay? He doesn't want to stop talking. He's clocked out and he's there for thirty minutes. He wants to talk all the time. And I'm only half paying attention. Are you half paying attention when you read your Bible? When God's speaking to you? How about when you're speaking to him? In prayer and that communication. Are you half paying attention to what you're telling God? Because I can get like that sometimes too. I'll get down, I'll pray, and I'll be praying for thirty seconds, and then I'll start thinking about something else, or I'll be like, oh man, I forgot to text so and so back. We have to set aside time to get real with God, to come to Him with our petitions, and we have to communicate with God the way that He'd want us to communicate with Him. Knowing our place, humbling ourselves, recognizing who we are, being direct, honest with God, because He already knows your heart. Now, looking through these scriptures, once again, I find that we need to make sure The right person is praying. The real me, not the pedestal version of myself. We have to make sure that a petition is made. Come to God with what you need. Tell Him what you need. Come before Him and beg Him for it. You've got to have the right purpose and intent behind it. Prayer is one of the most important parts of our Christian walk. So let's be prayer warriors. Let's communicate. We spend all this time working on communication with those that we love and those that are close to us. So why won't we work on it with God? Why do we struggle so hard to make the effort to do it with God? Let's get in the battle of prayer. Prayer is bigger than any army you could face because prayer gives you access to the one who has already won us the victory. And maybe you've been lacking in your prayer life. Maybe you've been behind. And... Um, we're going to have Jenna come up to the piano and sing a little bit of, a, of a, something so that we can come up to the altar and pray. Or not sing, but uh, play something. We're not going to make her sing today. But maybe there's an area in your life that you got to get right in with your prayer. And maybe you just need to take a moment to pray and get right with God about it and realize who you are so that you can go to him more honestly and directly. But right now we're going to pray with the message. And then after that, if you'd like to come up uh, and pray, then, then let's do that. Jenna, if you could. Father, uh, thank you for this message on uh, communicating with you. Lord, um, if there's anyone here that needs to make a decision about uh, their prayer life, about getting closer to you, Lord, we just ask that they would get that right with you today, that you would allow us all to work harder on our prayer lives, that you would allow us to uh, get closer to you, to communicate better with you. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.